2: Baseball America, bringing you baseball
1: news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball.
2: Hey, welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast. Along with J.J. Cooper and Kyle Glazer, I'm John Manuel. I want to thank you for tuning in today. All of our podcasts and our Facebook Lives are sponsored by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-the-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids. If you are a baseball fan, you need to check out Baseballism.com or visit their retail locations in Cooperstown, New York and Scottsdale, Arizona. Visit Baseballism.com. That's Baseballism.com. And enter the code BA2017 to save 20% off of your Baseballism order. So uh, thank Baseballism again for sponsoring the podcast. Saw some
3: Baseballism gear while I was out in Arizona, which was cool.
2: Well, that's what we, have, uh, we, we, we did not podcast last week. We welcomed back JJ and Kyle to the fold. Uh, both of you guys were out on assignment. It's always fun to say that and two pretty fun assignments, spring training backfields for JJ and World Baseball Classic for Kyle. And we wanted to, you know, start with the classic and, you know, we want to look back, but we're also going to look ahead. But to look back is important, even if it's a few days, uh, almost a week old, Kyle, just because it was so, so significant. And it just, it feels like, I think for me and JJ, it's like, finally the rest of you guys paid attention to what we wrote about ad nauseam in 06 and 09 and 2013. The rest of America, really, something like a, the baseball world, anyway, paid attention to this World Baseball Classic, Kyle, with the United States it, having I would, its
4: success. You know, I would say the baseball world paid attention. I think even the casual baseball world did, which is really so key because you're always going to have your hardcore mm-hmm. fans that want to pay attention. But getting the casual fan, the, you know, mm-hmm. mom and dad who go to, you know, maybe five, six games a year in their local city or, you know, they care. There's some interest, but they're not living and dying with every you know prospect manual or you know option you know right. news about a player being moved up or down and i think for them to get that group of fan is so key moving forward and they did you know i was i was saying to you guys earlier i think the lasting effect of the 2017 wbc is the narrative that oh people americans don't care american players american fans don't care that is dead that narrative no longer is accurate and i think we saw that with The numbers, the passion, whether you you want to measure with the tangibles, merchandise sales, TV ratings, attendance, to the energy from U.S. fans and U.S. players, that narrative no longer holds. And I think that's going to be the lasting impression of this. And I think that was true even if the U.S. lost in that title game to Puerto Rico seeing what the U.S. fans showed up and how loud they were in San Diego, seeing what it was like yeah, in the semifinal for that, Japan. That
3: semifinal U.S. game was 25,000 fans, right? No, that okay. was
4: forty-fourty-two 40, 42,003. Uh, 42, it was a sellout in San Diego. Or, oh, I'm sorry, the semifinal game. The
3: semifinal did not sell out. It was 25,000. No, 32. The
4: U.S.-Japan US, game? Yeah. 32. Yeah. It was driving It was the rainstorm in L.A. at 6 o'clock and on a Tuesday. That's what you got to remember. And so when people were saying... Oh, Miami drew so much better. you got to remember, there was a Thursday through Sunday series. The first two games in San Diego, everyone was hating on. It's Tuesday, Wednesday at 6. No one goes to those games. Once you got into the Friday-Saturday, they compared very well to what happened in Miami. And then with the WBC in LA, the fact you had 51,000 on a Tuesday, 30,000 plus on a... uh, Sorry, 51,000 on a Wednesday... Thirty thousand plus on a Monday and Tuesday, you're not going to do much better than that in any city in America, well, and especially on a especially for six p.m. start local.
3: And they're going to, as much as the the atmosphere in Miami was awesome, the reality of it is is that this is a world event. Playing it in on the West Coast, I know there were some complaints about on the West Coast about it, you know, the time time of day for Eastern Coast, but.
4: You're trying to play it so
3: also the time of day for Japan
4: and all right. It's a well. big world, and, and especially with Los world. Angeles having such a huge Japanese American population, that's why Los Angeles makes the perfect sense because you get that that perfect mix. San
3: Fran also where they've done before works pretty well too because LA works, but better LA though. works better though. Yeah, yeah if
2: LA could, works better. But, I mean, like they both LA's host of the finals. What now? Three times? Or uh, yeah, just and, two and times you those? have the no, first though. year was San Diego. Right, Two thousand six was San Diego. Two thousand nine was LA, or is it? Or, or uh, 2009,
4: no, you're right. Two thousand nine was LA. Thirteen was San Francisco, and now is also it's so LA. So,
2: to me, LA has been the best host, and I think that's because it's got a really significant Japanese and Korean populations, and the Korean actually population is a big difference between the, L, the Southland Very and much the so. Bay Area. It's a so. huge differentiator. And there's just something about Dodger Stadium. I love AT&T Park or whatever it's called now. What is it now in San Francisco? It's it still AT&T. Okay. It went from
4: Pac-Bell to yeah. SBC to AT&T. I've
2: been, I've been to it when it was Pac-Bell in 2000. I've been to it for the Classic in 2013. I love that ballpark. Oh, it's gorgeous. There's just something about Dodger Stadium. Then now it's historic. You know, now they really should call it Historic Dodger Stadium. It's so old. It's what the third oldest stadium in the big leagues. It's fifty plus years. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, only, it's only Fenway old, Park, but... Park and Wrigley Field. So, but... like, ideally, you would love to have um, the World Baseball Classic sometime played in Wrigley Field. It'd be awesome to have it in Wrigley Field, or it'd be awesome to have it in Fenway Park, but not in March in <laughs> Boston or Chicago. You can't do that. I mean, like, what I wonder about is, and I, and I have the numbers in front of me. Like, the uh, the, the the MLB Network has three most viewed non postseason games ever. So the uh, viewership was really high there. Viewership was fantastic on the ESPN2 and the Spanish language broadcast um, internationally. But what I wonder is, can they ever, can the Classic ever have the finals, if it's in its current incarnation of its current format, of having it in the championship being in March? So we'll just go for that conceit going forward. Could it ever happen where they have the classic semifinals and finals in Asia? Could that ever happen, guys? Do you think that'll ever happen? Could they think, ever have them no, in, I, in
4: Tokyo? JJ says no. I think I think they'd be hesitant to. I, I never say never. I think it'd be great because we see the passion of what goes on in Tokyo. Um, at the same time, this is. As much as we talk about as an international event, right. Major League Baseball is still a United States-based business yep. where the United States does the they do most of their their revenue. Right, and, so and me, be
2: in the Union are the two biggest partners who run World Baseball Classic. Yeah, I, I don't
4: I don't see them being saying, okay, we're gonna you know ship the U.S. players out, the Puerto Rico players out, and the Ven- right. and the and the Dominican players out across the Pacific right. for two days. A week before the season, I, I don't I see th- that either. I, I think that that would be a deal breaker.
3: You're, you're, you're going to be talking; it's going to be something where we have, you know, Mach six airliners that can get you back in you know <laughs> a few hours or something like that. Yeah. And that's so far away that yeah, I, I don't, I just don't think you're going to see it. And the reality of it is, is that as much as this event is big in Asia, you are then talking about a situation where if there, if Japan somehow doesn't make it that time, you you have less. Like we saw, I mean, I don't blame them. I think the fans in Japan did a great job at the WBC again. But when you have Israel versus the Netherlands, right. it's not drawing over there. Right. It's played, it was empty. It was it's an exhibition empty.
2: game, and it was also during the middle of the day yeah. in Tokyo. Not wisely,
3: they played. Not they weren't dumb. They played the Japanese games
4: at night, right at 7 Absolutely. p.m. local time. So I think I think it was overall, though. I mean, I think we can all agree. It was a huge step forward. And and for me, what's important is the WBC, it keeps growing. It's on the upward trend. All these records it broke were ones that were set in 2013. So right. we're seeing well, each incarnation, it's getting what, bigger and better. But one thing about that is,
3: is that is that... They should. They play with the numbers to fit what they. I'm. I'm not being wet blanket guy, but yeah, the agree. ratings are. The ratings are worse than they were because they're on MLB Network. They're comparing them to MLB Network ratings, right? Their because biggest, there's a lot their, less coverage than when they were ratings, on ESPN. Their
2: biggest ratings were the year they were all on ESPN, which was what, six or was it nine? I forget which but, one it was. But at the same time, fewer people watch ESPN now. So those those ratings that they had that year are almost like they'll never those are, get those. Those are encased in amber. In they some are. They'll, never, they'll almost never get those with 40% of ESPN subscribers have unplugged, something like that. So, Not I mean, 40, but, yeah, a lot. Right, it's a lot. Another, another uh, aspect of the Classic they did well beyond that was you could – I mean, we all are plugged in social media-wise on baseball, but it was trending. It was a big deal on social media during these games and the streaming platforms are up significantly. That's where MLB is very well placed to stream games. Hey, the NCAA calls Major League Baseball advanced media and says, hey, can we stream our basketball tournament on your stuff again, please? It works very well. So the future medium, I think uh, you know, the, the, the new media is where Major League Baseball is in very good shape. And that, I think, really helps the classic. I know, you know one of the things that people in the industry hate is when you travel, when you go to hotels, and they don't have the network. Mm-hmm. And I was having, dealing with it last week. Having done this for MLB Network, where like I've gone in to do the AAA All Star Game, and the local hotel where they put us up in in Omaha did not have the network. You know they had it; they'll have it for that week when the network is in town. That's happened when I've been in the Fall League. That's happened when I've been for AAA All Star Game. That happened. Uh, I forget where else I traveled for the network. I know it happened with the Futures Game this year in San Diego. Their hotel headquarters did not have. The network when they first checked in, that's where you get over this. The reach of the network being somewhat limited is with the social, with, with the digital and streaming platforms but that MLB is so good at.
3: The thing I wanted to go back to is, is I agree with your point about if the US had not won, it still would have been a, a big event. You know, like it would have been a, a step forward for the WBC. From the US standpoint, though, this is huge. this is huge because huge. no matter what happens in 21. Or 25 now, they're no longer there. There will it's a long. It's going to be a long time from now before you say again the U.S. has not stepped up. I mean, John, you've covered the breadth of international baseball for a long time now. Yes, I
2: have. That's and I
3: was I was actually have because I got ended up on a plane flying back with a lot of USA baseball people, and we were talking about it. It's like, is this the biggest win in USA baseball history? I'd still say second, but.
2: I still would just because the Olympics 2000, you know, in 2000 are just. It was. I mean, and, and Cuba was Cuba. That's the difference. Is they beat Cuba at Cuba. I mean, like, beating Puerto Rico, that Puerto Rican team was great. I think it would have been different for the U.S., honestly, if they'd beaten the Dominican in the finals. That would have been a little bit different just because you look at the number of big leaguers from the Dominican. Uh, I mean, I'm not knocking Puerto Rico at all. Mm-hmm. Puerto Rico earned being there, but. Puerto Rico's weakness was pitching coming into the tournament, their depth of pitching. And they started Seth Lugo in the championship game.
4: Who actually had a great WBC. He
2: did, but he's still Seth Lugo. You know, like, we complain about how the U.S. Oh, I wish we had Kershaw or Bumgarner for this. Puerto Rico, like, wishes they had who? Javier Vasquez? I mean, like... That's the best Puerto Rican pitcher the last 20 years. They got their guys. They got their guys. That's what I'm saying. And those are their guys. So for the next classic, Puerto Rico's even set up even better, with the exception of will Yadi Molina still be Yadi Molina? I never will bet against Yadi Molina. That guy's incredible. But I'm just saying, like, so Puerto Rico, very young team and very iffy pitching. Like the Dominican and Japan, in my mind, even Venezuela, more complete rosters up and down. Um, for me. That's fair. And so if the United States had gone and beaten either the Dominican or Japan, which had won the first three classes, And the U.S. could
3: say, we did, we just did it earlier.
2: Right, but in the finals, I mean, but but you're right, but but beating Cuba for gold, there's something special about that, beating Cuba for gold when Cuba was Cuba. Regardless,
4: you know, I think, obviously, that's a very valid debate, you know, one or two. We're still talking about one of the greatest. And that's it. And that's, that's, this was a... Wonderful moment in yeah. USA baseball history.
2: Of the ones that people pay attention to. Again, that's the, that's the problem is that the U.S. has beaten Cuba other times that people didn't pay attention to. For me, like 2006 Olympic qualifier going to Havana and Kevin Slowy pitched the first five innings of that game, I believe, and Michael Bourne had the game-winning hit. No one knows about that team. I mean, I wrote the hell out of that summer that fall when it happened, but no one remembers that. But that was within the halls of USA baseball. That was like we qualified for the Olympics and we beat the Cubans in Havana,
3: and they were still kind and of the people Because there's people who don't remember. Like qualifying for the Olympics was important because it had failed to do yes, so for exactly. the previous Olympics. Exactly, and, and so, that's
4: where, and that's yeah. where I think some of it also is the difference between being on a championship stage where you're on a national yeah. television network, even when MLB network is not everywhere as it is, yeah. you know, as you'd like it to be. Now, now,
2: and that's the thing. People, many more people paid attention to this than they paid attention to Ben Sheets in 2000. That's for sure. Yeah. So, so I mentioned, I touched on. Um, kind of the future of the classic format. Now having covered one, Kyle, like just been in the thick of it. What was, was there any sense around it? Like, oh, this is what it's gonna be forever. I mean, do you think there's gonna be like, because Buster Olney wrote, I, I thought it was one of the most hot takey Buster Olney columns I've ever written. I don't think of Buster in hot takes. And I, I really respect Buster significantly, but he wrote like they should either go all in or get rid of the classic. And he, I think he's all in meant like having uh, splitting it up so you get the semifinals and finals during the All-Star break. And he talked about having it every year. I don't know if you read Buster's piece. but I missed uh, it. I mean, uh, You should go back and read it for here, sure. Here's
4: the thing. It's, key, it's kept growing in its current format. They're not going to tear it all up and yeah. try and do something way different. It'd be one thing if everything this year had been stagnant or lower than years past. But when you have increases across the board, every metric you care about... You're not then gonna do something wild and crazy. I really do strongly believe we will see the classic, as we saw in 2017, exactly the same way as we see it in 2021. With the, you know, you could say maybe with the fact the Olympics are there, maybe some of the player, you know, selection will be a little different, Mm -hmm. maybe. But I think that's the limit of it. We're not going to see different times. We're not going to see different dates. We're not going to see different formatting. I think we're going to see it as is until it starts plateauing. Because at the end of the day, you're not going to ruin and mess with something that's growing. It's just a basic business principle. Well,
3: the, the thing with this is also is, is they checked off the box again. When they founded the WBC, one of the big ideas was grow the game internationally. I don't know what Israel is going to do, the Israeli Baseball Federation is going to do, with the big check that will arrive for how well Team Israel did. But... I can tell you this: There's going to be more baseball fields in Israel in 2021 than there is and, now. And the
4: Netherlands making it to the, the Netherlands, second time. The Netherlands. Else. If the
3: Netherlands keeps this up, at some point, all of honkball will be playing <laughs> in top-notch stadiums. Because
2: what you wonder about is, you know, having talked to the Dutch, um, you know, they're building this stadium in Amsterdam. I, it it's might built. already be done. It's built. The intention when they built it was to bring an American, yes. a major league team, not. Permanently, the but for an, an exhibition game, that apparently is not going to happen. It's going to go to London, and uh, the MLB has shifted like we're going to go to London for a, a major league series. If we're, we're going to have an opening series in Chihuahua, Mexico, or we can have one in Sydney, Australia, they could do that elsewhere. And if they were, but and so the idea was going to Europe and going to the Netherlands. Who they, they built their stadium
3: anymore. literally with the idea, like they spent extra. To have right. things for major league, MLB, major league caliber,
2: major league caliber lighting, major league caliber infield, and according to the Dutch, it's not going to happen. They fully that's expect a shame. they expect fully expect a year uh, an American a major league uh, season opening series to go to London. Of course, the problem is London in in uh, March. In March. Yeah, it's going to be cold. Or early April. And right?
4: Do they have the baseball facilities?
2: I mean, well, I mean they have the, the pitch. They have all these soccer pitches that are basically. Dumb. That, I'm not an EPL expert. But, but I'll go
3: back to that. This is what they proved last year with the Fort Benning game, which is give ben, us... Fort
2: Benning. Fort Bragg. Fort Bragg. Sorry, I'm, <laughs> I'm from
3: Georgia. Fort Bragg. The Fort Bragg game, which was give us six months head start and we can play pretty much wherever you want to play. And that's really what it comes down to. If you give Correct. us an area, we can build you a temporary stadium because that literally they started with nothing, they ended up with a major league caliber stadium, and then when the game was over, they ended up with okay. Now we take apart our major league caliber stadium.
2: <laughs> that's that's, that's the, what they can the do. The crazy thing to me is uh, this Wikipedia page that says <laughs> the largest covered stadium in England is in Cardiff, Wales, Millennium Stadium, hmm. and all the rest of the dome stadiums on here are not uh, in, are, are in the United States or Germany. So England doesn't seem like it has too many. Available. They, don't, well, they that.
3: You don't. I You don't. I don't think you. You know. You play soccer in uh, in snow. Some. So.
2: <laughs> or the rain or whatever. But I guess. I, but, I,
4: but I do think going back to the point we're talking about growing the international game, it's succeeded. It's it's succeeding. It has succeeded, and by all accounts, it's going to continue to succeed because the format. Is working and that's where I think sometimes you know talking to other people around the only people that were pitching this oh well, what if we did this were other writers it I'm wasn't it you. wasn't <laughs> yeah. it wasn't the actual decision it wasn't the commissioner it wasn't mm-hmm. the players union folks talking to the players the management the people who actually are in charge of making this decision everyone's like no I love this this was incredible this was perfect
2: to me the best argument for keeping it the way it is is that it's way better than spring training that's no the be, that's the best argument for no me. question. Um, is that it's much more entertaining baseball in March. And it does grab more attention and more eyeballs to baseball in March than baseball would otherwise. No question. Um, you know, as a I, college, I miss it.
3: I, I literally this week miss it that it's not around anymore.
2: There's no question. I miss it too. And uh, as a college basketball fan whose voice is hoarse from college basketball, one of the hard things to acknowledge about being a college basketball fan is that college basketball is diminished in the culture. It only matters at the tournament time. And the rest of the so March is kind of when it matters, but all those games are on the weekend, and the classic fills those gaps. And And there's nothing else going on. And that's the discussion
4: again. Again, the only people talking about this were other writers. Like, well, why do you want to compete head to head with March Madness? You're not. There are certain nights you are, but there's but there. But for the most part, you're not. And I think that that's where Major League Baseball has done something nice here, where you're pre NFL draft. NBA and NHL, the seasons are pretty much decided, and, and they don't compete with Major League Baseball. Major League is, Baseball is on a level on its own and the compared NBA, to those two.
2: The NBA talk this month is either um, a ridiculous MVP discussion of or a sport the re- really nobody the resting player nobody controversy and that's it. And it's all negative. It's resting players and this kind of thing. It's there's no there's no positive storylines, and they've tried to gin up rivalries of the NBA and all this kind of stuff. The nobody, NBA, the NBA is a,
3: the NBA is a sport that basically is just a this really long exhibition season to get you to the games that matter.
2: Well, the thing is though that those exhibitions are incredibly fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, not... the NBA's product is at an extremely high level. I'm not going to knock, I'm not knocking the NBA. I'm just saying it doesn't own March where the classic has found a niche. I think that March is a good time of year. I still think you could do the the classic and whittle it down to four and then take the four of the all-star break. And that would make a good tournament better. So for me, Doing those first two rounds a little bit later in spring, and also the travel for the uh, 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 Pacific uh, for the Asian nations, maybe be a little bit. They wouldn't need it. uh, They wouldn't need it. That's what I'm saying. It would be a little bit. It would even. They They would stay in Asia. The logistical problem is. Every four years, Japan and the KBO. The MPB and the KBO would have to sync up their all-star breaks, basically, with the United States well, one. And the, not that,
3: but the, technically the CPBL, which right now can't even get like all of their teams to agree about whether <laughs> they're allowing their players to participate. Like, yeah, I'm not worried about Taiwan. Yeah. I'm
2: really not. I'm really not Sorry worried about Taiwan. But, but, when, you, when you don't have to qualify for back-to-back classics, come talk to
4: me. But, but again, I, I do think that all this discussion we're having... It's at the fan, writer, pundit level. It's not the level where decisions are actually being no, made. They're, I disagree. They're, I, well, well, I, based I, I, on I went, what i, went, what what they I were talking you. about but is, what I'm saying though is, is, that after this, before this, it was. But after was the say, success,
3: I don't think that changes it much. I really don't. Like they're <laughs> looking at this every time as what is the best event we can do, and they have at least talked about before this event ever happened this time. Right. Would this be better? Doing what you just talked about. I just
2: think the strike—you strike while the iron is hot. You don't wait for it to go down. I mean, like, I mean, I'm no economist, but don't they always talk about growth? I mean, like, three, when you have two percent growth in your economy, are you trying to get to three percent? If your profits are growing by ten percent, are you trying to get to fifteen percent? So they grew the. Classic now by let's just I'm gonna say by X 20, percent, 20,
4: 25, 30, depending on your metric. Don't
2: you, don't they get greedy? Isn't that what capitalists do? But you get greedy and you go, Wait, I mean, 25, screw that, I want 40.
3: I don't know if it's even greedy. I do think that they have to really look at this and say, could we have a better event? Yeah, can we have a better event if this is part of all star week? Every or every is All Star Week every four years. And that's what uh, to me. And they, they have to again. Tomorrow. It may not be. They may decide
2: no. They may find because there's so many logistical things <laughs> that, that, that to- have to happen. But that totally opens up the whole thing of oh, we want World Baseball Classic in Boston in July. You can do that. You can do World Baseball Classic in Chicago in July. You can do it anywhere in July in the United States. You can do it anywhere. But the you, concern you go to Seattle, is, But Mah. the
4: concern is you have these great semifinal games. Then you shut it off for for three no, and a half have months. You're gonna lose. No, I'm at the first round, second rounds. round. You know, you've got all this momentum going, and then you just shut it down. And four months, I think four months now, people are gonna care less. They're gonna say, That's "Oh possible. yeah, that thing, that thing." Four months but ago. But at the
3: same time, if you want to talk about when they talk about who, what players can we get? If you said the guys, I mean, the gets for the first and second round are gonna be the same thing. Yeah. But if you talk about again, insurance is an issue here. But if you talk right. about if you said, like, we saw Kenley Jansen basically said, hey, now that you're here, I'm in.
2: Right. Nine if pinches. you said
3: during the yeah, the, the game... I, don't, I just love
2: that he picked up the bullpen photos. I'm pretty, pretty pleased that Andrew Freeman was like, no. <laughs> How do you say no in Dutch? No. But at the same
3: time, um, you look at it and you say, if you are saying the the entire ask is, I want you, like as a starting pitcher, I want you to make a start during this one week where right. you're going to throw, you know, where you're completely stretched out. And
2: down. if a dude at that point says, oh, I was going fishing that week, you're like, well, yeah, we don't want you anyway. You know, because that's the difference. And that is the difference. Both Israel and Team USA, I haven't talked to the Israeli team a little bit about this, Is so that their focus was, and what all the teams have figured out is, who wants to be here? Right. Okay, then we're going to take the best of those of you who want to be here, right. and that's the best approach. It feels like, and I, and I just thought that the you know the U.S. was supposed to kind of be down on its pitching because they didn't get their best pitchers. The United States pitching was incredible in this whole class. Two point two five ERA. Yeah. I mean, it was and it was dominant at times. Whether it, was, it wasn't just Stroman, no, Duffy, was, Smiley was amazing. Was, his one star. yeah, and Chris Archer was fantastic. Yeah. I, I still wish but that even he'd to take it him.
3: to Puerto Rico, Jose Barrios essentially didn't make the Twins. Opening day roster, in part because he went to the WBC, and his answer was absolutely entirely worth it.
4: Yeah,
2: and he didn't even say like I I like dinosaur barbecue in Rochester. Send me back. So so here's (laughs) here's, here's here's the
4: question: Since I think we're different, let's 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 put this on the bet board and and mark it down for fortune. I believe strongly that the 2021 WBC will be played exactly the same format as it is now. Agree or disagree?
2: I disagree. I believe they will try to strike while the iron is hot to grow their to grow their product and to expand it. And the only uh, I, will, I will okay sorry. Good. I was to say the only thing that would stand in their way. I think they're gonna want to do that. And what will stand in their way is their sponsors. Does Mastercard or is it Mastercard? But but, but what like will be?
4: The, will the finals of the twenty twenty WBC I think be, be played during in... the
2: world, I think they'll be the, the finals and the semifinals will be played during All Star Week. JJ?
3: I'll split the middle, which is that they will try to do that, but logistically it will prove to be impossible to do it for 2021 because, as you said, you have to get the, – the crazy part about that is, is it is not a problem for the U.S. to say, we are designing our schedule for that week. Yeah. The worst part is Japan's always made it that far. But how crazy is it if the MPB has to shut down their schedule for a week and let's say Japan doesn't make it. Right. Because the problem logistically you have is... Pretty, they pretty much rigged it this year. That it would have been impossible for them not to make it, right. it this year. Seriously. But, but it is the... Pro, like, how about or Korea? Like, yeah. we have to arrange your schedule. And it's like, by the way, you're just not playing for this week.
2: Here's a giant pile of money. Don't play this week. You're, you're not going to play this week. In, in, right. On this. But you're
3: not going to... And you're not doing anything. That is the problem. That's the, tough. The biggest logistical problem is, is that if you play it in March and then you go to the All-Star is that the U.S. knows that between the Dominican team and the Puerto Rican team and the U.S. team, there's enough different teams that there will be a significant amount. It's just impossible for it not to be. If you're Korea and you shut down your league for a week and you're not there, that is doubly bad you're shutting that down your shame. league and it also reminds you by the way we're not playing this week That's because true. of our really disappointing team that really just
2: this is true the one uh two, one two other things that will we'll leave the classic um where would you like to see the classic expand by 2021 in terms of playing like do you think they should like this year the pools were mexico united states japan korea mm-hmm. for the first round for pool play I would love to see twenty twenty one be in Cuba. I don't know if that's possible. Things have opened up a little bit. Obviously the politics have changed. Um, I I would imagine I mean what if they played in Trump Stadium in Havana in twenty twenty one? I mean crazy things uh, have happened. I th- I, and I would also love to see that have there've been a World Cup qual- world baseball classic qualifier in Germany. There has not been a WBC round in Europe. 2021 is another opportunity to grow it and have one in Europe, maybe somewhere else in Latin America.
4: You know, it's funny. I, I sort of, one, late one night, was playing with this on my phone. They've already been in San Juan before. I think they should go back and mm. have a first round in San Juan. I would redo the pools a little bit. Puerto
2: Rico certainly earned the right, if they want I, to host again, to capitalize on the right. popularity Put them
4: Met And then I, I do think, you know, depending on where that Netherlands stadium is in four years, already there. it's there and it's, it's maintained it's and it's been yeah. used. I think it'd be really good to have it. Is it Amsterdam, Rotterdam, or is it? It's uh, in Amsterdam, it's yeah. Amsterdam. I mean it, I think I think if you put, you know, the Netherlands, Italy, Israel and, and pick one other, you know, nation in there, you could actually do something interesting. You go to San Juan, you make that Puerto Rico, the Dominican, Venezuela, make it a very Hispanic oriented pool. I think it would be an incredible atmosphere. You know, you put US and Mexico and San yeah. Diego to start at the first round that'd be great. I would I would kind of have San Diego as a first round site, you know, San Juan, Tokyo, Amsterdam, make Miami a second round site where you can get the yeah, best the of American, that yeah. US, you know, with the Dominican, Puerto Rico pool and leave the other second round site, maybe it's Tokyo, maybe you put it in Amsterdam. I the, would just sort the of The rough you're gonna, you know you're always going to be in
3: Tokyo at some point for me because it's too successful. The MTV has so to they're make not going to pull it. They have to make
4: money. And TV wise,
3: that is TV wise, you have to have those games played. You're going to have some
2: games that are played in the in the prime time in Asia. That's the, important. The, the problem I like your plan. The problem
3: with that I do see is, is if you told me if I have to play in the Netherlands and then I'm picking up and I'm flying to Japan. The jet it's lag, tricky. and
4: then if I succeed there, that's I have to fly hours. to the states.
2: That's a nine-hour time right. difference. And, that, and that's where I can that's see how like
4: having a Seoul pool and a Tokyo pool right. works because they're in that same
3: general vicinity. Right. That, the the one concern is is like I do think you're going to have more trouble if I'm a major league team, and I look at my my players that are playing for the Dutch team, and I say, wait a second, they're going to be here and then here and then here. I would worry from an injury standpoint, like. Just the lack of true good rest. And that's fair.
4: But I do I do think if you have San Juan as one of your first-round sites, that would do very well. well. I, I
3: agree. I, I would ask the question of, should, at some point, shouldn't we see one of these in the Dominican Republic?
2: That makes too much sense. You're right. We really should I mean, that, San this San is what battle,
3: ben, ben tweeted out in, different. But when uh, when should we? We've had major league games in Puerto Rico. Yeah, why can't we have them in the D3? Why can't we have a three-game series? If we're talking about having a three-game series Great in take. London— at some point it's and that's not even about let's be honest it's not about growing the game at that point the dominican republic they're pretty bought in on the game <laughs> it really but it rewarding, it's rewarding it is rewarding yes. a country that deserves to like look we could you imagine like the teams like whoever teams get to go there Players, there are going to be many players from other teams. Like, why are we not going yeah. to get? You know, it is something. I, where... I
4: remember, you know, when the Angels and Expos played in San Juan in 04, and I don't remember how well. It's those because the Expos, did. It's because it's the, the Expos, Expos had nowhere to go. Yeah. yeah, I just, I just remember like some regular season games there. and I, yeah. feel, well, I mean, I feel they like played about 18 cool. that year or 20. something
2: I mean, it was the, like the, the That Expos was part played, of their yeah, schedule. The Expos played, I think it was uh, 59 games in montreal that year <laughs> the traveling expo so they really it, i mean it was it was pitiful um so yeah i i, I would love to see the first rounds spread out And the other thing that makes me want to spread it out was that there were these problems in mexico the on-site people in mexico uh, they had the problems security issues yadi and melina and the puerto rican players talked about with their families it doesn't sound like it was a it was a run like a major league event and that's where part of the profits of this seem like they have to go next time just toward making the players feel like it's major league in every way, and let's face it, the major league standard is very high. Yes, and that's going to be expensive. But if you want to keep having the players have that buy-in, and you, know, you can't have players with sour grapes like and, uh, like the next. But, but the thing
3: about this is, I think a lot of that also came back to the other thing. The lesson from this one is: is make your tiebreaker rules very that clear. Was, that was pitiful, and that is.
2: That was really pitiful that that got sideways like that but that and is that that is but this is now a
3: hundred million dollar plus event so you better so you have right. money there is money to be spent when it is a hundred million dollar event and the one other question I before we move on that i'll ask you guys is it's every four years is that good it used to be three
2: no, it was only three that one time. Well, that one time, That's but three. it was. I, I, th- get it ready I think for so. I mean,
4: same same as the World Cup, same as the Olympics. I think it's a good it's a good number.
2: I love every other year. I would love every two years. You know, I, I, I'm, not, I, I'm greedy, but I think every two years would make sense for me. And that, not now. Like, I don't think you could get it ready no, for you, 2019. Right. But if you went 2021, 2023, 2025, I mean, I don't see why not. I mean, it, I, I love every other the year. The one thing I'll
3: say about it is, is if the Olymp- if baseball is going to be in the Olympics, I know it's not going to be an inferior event. It'll always be. And much to the IOC's dismay, Olympic baseball will always be an inferior event to the WBC. but that makes it even though it's going to be really backloaded because the way the schedule goes right now,' we're going to, if it stays in the Olympics, it'll be like no international baseball of a premier event, no inter premier event and then boom, we have it back-to- back years. but that makes it a little easier for me. Like if we have Olympics and WBC Gotcha. you know to me, because the Olympics is. It, like, it's, it's the U.S. Like, Japan treats that very
2: much. I'm, I'm very curious about this future of the Olympics as a genre. I mean, you know, <laughs> that involves politics, too, as we go into this uh, uh, different age that we're in. Um, but, I mean, like, how much inter- international cooperation is there going to be for an Olympics? And who wants to host this? this the hosting's the issue, but there's too much money issue. there.
3: There's too much money there it will ever go away.
2: We'll see. <laughs> we'll it's, see. It's literally
3: billion-dollar television contract. Uh,
2: obviously. No question. But, I mean, if people stop caring, I'm just curious what happens. If people – again, if there's a television bubble for Major League Baseball or for other stuff, how big is that bubble for all these corrupt international aristocrats who run the Olympics? I mean, it's pretty bad. So I don't even want to go on the Olympics thing. It's just 2020, I'm happy they're going to have it in Tokyo. After that, if you're having 2024 Olympics, I can <laughs> – Constantinople,
4: LA, or Paris? Those are the uh, those are the contenders. I thought I thought,
2: Constantin- I thought Istanbul was the final. Oh, is it? Is it I can't okay. remember. But um, Constantinople. Constantinople,
4: you're going back to the Byzantine Empire here.
2: you're Damn right I am. <laughs> um So it's the Baseball America podcast with JJ, Kyle, and John. JJ went to go see you some. Uh, I could probably leave this podcast now and let you guys talk Padres prospects, but. I do think Arizona would be a great future home for a World Baseball Classic because you can have, they have Chase Field, Chase Field. right? I, I've been and, there, and, and domes are good. I think domes are good for this. I think Seattle will be great they, for this also, because well, it's Pacific and domed. I think it'd be perfect. But the move. other thing
3: they did in Arizona, do remember we played game? They played games at WBC at Salt River Field, which right. is the most the major league baseball caliber non-major league stadium in but, the world. But I they also had Chase Field sitting here, and so there was. Which never happens in there. They had rain in the forecast. They went, there's rain in the forecast for moving to Chase Fields. So we only played, there was only, there was supposed to be more at Salt River Fields, but there was only a, a little bit at Salt River Fields. But you do Salt have River that. Salt River Fields forever. I mean, that is, because that ballpark is
4: insane. It was stunning. It, it didn't get built until after I graduated from ASU, so I didn't get to see it when I was there. And then when I went back this past fall like, for the first time, I was it's like,
2: oh, Dear God. Yeah, I it place. all it's missing is a second deck. I mean, it really it's is. awesome.
4: Yeah, it's, but. Um,
3: but at the same time, I do think there's something at advantage of not having, because there's
2: there's already so much baseball in March in Arizona. You really are. I mean, you're, that's the difference with Miami, my South Florida. There is Now that you have, now you that Palm, have Beach, Palm Beach, but, you have West Palm Beach, but Broward and Dade, especially Dade, is the most um, you know international, the most ethnic of those two of those three counties down there. Um, you know, I know I'm going back 30 years to my Boca days, but. It's a it's a haul. I had to take when I took the train to go see the Miami Heat their first year. Yeah. The, what was it called? I can't remember what the train was called. Um, but that, that train ride was long from West Palm Beach to Miami. Oh yeah. So getting down and, that, and that's it's where a, the, it's a good hour and a half drive. And Marlins more. Park. That, well, I think it's, uh, if I think with traffic, in Florida traffic. If it's if, people, if there's if there's no traffic, people fly down there. That's why I drive the way I drive. <laughs> I learned to drive in Florida, but it's it, it's, it's an hour. Um, so with, with no traffic. But it is uh, distinct. There's no Fort Lauderdale or Miami spring training teams. So you aren't competing with spring training when you're in Miami and you are when you're in Phoenix. That was a long way of getting to that point. Yeah. But no,
3: in Phoenix, you don't, really, what I would say is you don't need it there from that standpoint of like,
4: okay, so I I can go to the WBC
3: or I can go to one of these other eight eight to 10 options. The thing thing
4: with Seattle, And where you could say it would get tricky, if you will, is I think if you have it in Seattle, you have to have Japan there, but you don't want to leave Tokyo. So it's sort of tricky. I think if you're going to do it in Seattle, you have to have Canada. You have to have Japan.
2: About yeah. you could do like you could even do like a second round where the U.S. isn't even there and have it in Seattle. But
4: but again, I think you have to have one of Japan or the U.S. And otherwise, it's going to flop. And the other problem I think, problem no, I think is you it, have a
2: Canada and Japan. You're guaranteed. I, no, I, I agree. But,
4: if Japan's there, you're fine. But, but they have to be. Canada there.
2: has to qualify now. Then.
3: Yeah, and the other part of that is is that while you have a dome, the weather there. In that time, I mean, I've Greg. talked. I just ran into a lot of Greg. Northwest scouts, and they're like, it has just rained every single day. And that's just like the Seattle.
2: It was miserable. Uh, we'll talk about it on our college podcast, but it was miserable this weekend in uh Corvallis for Mike Lanana. And, Anna, and he, he he wore you can go on his Twitter feed at M mlanana and see all the video that he shot. And he he was talking about it slash complaining about it last night on our uh top 25 call about uh sitting down in the rain and yeah. shooting all those vines but uh but you don't, so you usually don't worry about that in uh in arizona for sure so here's the real question jj who was the funnest prospect you saw not the best who was the funnest prospect you saw in the backfields
3: the the thing that i will step away and we'll have video on this up today uh should be today um the one i'll step away remembering the most is adrian Morhone, the padres lefty who is, he, should,
2: he should play in the 2021 Classic for, for Cuba if they're able to use expats, which hopefully they will.
3: And it was just a couple of innings, but it was an eye-opening couple of innings. Um, you know, Kyle, you wrote him up for the handbook. And, and when you, I showed you the video today, and you said, like, it was two innings, but he's already taken a little step because velocity-wise... For those two innings, he was legit, when I say sitting 94. Every single pitch was 94. It was which... like, I saw, the entire time I saw him in his two innings, I believe he threw, not every pitch is on the video, but he threw 193 and he threw a couple of 95s. That was it. Like, it was literally 94, 94, 94,
4: and he was locating 94 with intent. And, com, you know, compared to Instructs, when, you know, doing all my scout calls, it was 91 to 93 sit, touch 96. So, you know, he'd get a few 94s, but for him to sit 94, just those six months of being, you know, in a team facility, getting on those training programs, making the mechanical adjustments, that's a huge jump. And it's been impressive to see just what he's grown in six months. It's and really impressive. We're,
3: we're talking about an 18-year-old. Just so, turned 18. Just, February. just, just turned 18. Um, I had a, a Padres official ask me the interesting question, which you hear this a lot when you have a guy like eight, you know, 18-year-old international player or something. It's like, okay, let's say that he plops into the 2017 draft. Where does he go? And the reality of it is is you say, okay, 18-year-old lefty with a, if you're very conservative, a 60 fastball, but you could easily say a 70 fastball with multiple scouts gave me a 70 on the changeup. Breaking ball is much more iffy right now. you know. But he also has some control and command. He has an idea of what he's doing the with mechanics it. Mechanics are clean. Mechanics are clean, all that. And you say, no, that's, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. always easy to say. like we. It's easy to say he's a top, but he's an easy top 10 well,
4: pick. When I, when I was making my calls about him, even before this, just other international scouts outside the Padres mm-hmm. work, they all said, no, he's on par with a top 10 pick in any draft. And I even wrote that in the book. But I would argue that, you know, top 10, I mean, now that's, that's top 5. Right. That's, I mean, that's, that's even Brendan higher. McKay
3: is the, the, you know, if you said top lefty pitcher, who's also, he's a hitter. Right. But Brendan McKay probably right now is the top lefty pitcher in this draft class. Brendan McKay's curve, you know, his breaking ball is at a different, you know, is much better than Moore Homes at this point. Um, you know, he's three years older also, but it's much better. Same time... Fastball wise, home is, again, even if you say that he was sitting a little higher because it was a two inning stint, the fastball definitely has significantly more velocity McKay. The changeup.
2: I don't know about significantly more, but it's more. I mean, like, he, McKay's he, like, when McKay at his best is 992, and what you're hoping is that he, when he just pitches and throws bullpens, right. he throws harder than that. So
3: Right. But, but McKay very rarely, you're, you're rarely seeing ninety-four. 94s. Yeah. your does pop 94. Whereas Morhone is the sitting. spring has been sitting ninety four
2: right no I, uh, yeah it's more velocity you know it, yeah. it's a great so, no
4: I think I think we're in agreement I mean this is a guy who has a chance to be really special I mean talking about all the international guys the Padres signed and as you guys know when you talk about international prospects there's a very wide range of opinions on those guys because they're so young because there's so much projection left even more than domestic high schoolers and more hone, it was unanimous I couldn't find anyone who was like eh they were like, no, he's really good. It's just a matter of, you know, the, the concept, is he Max Fried really good or Julio Urias very good? There's, there's obviously a degree there, but they're both really good.
3: Well, the other thing that stands out is, is you, you want to see these guys. When you sign a guy, you want to – there's some, to me, one of the things that does stand out, like Lucas Ersig having a great spring on top of the great first stint he had in bowl last year. I was having this conversation in Arizona with a couple of, uh, you know, with a pro scouting director and a couple of pro scouts at different times. It's like, it is amazing how much you do know. Like, that first, by the end of spring training for a guy who signed out of the draft last year, or a July 2 guy, you know something. You know, you don't know as much as you want to know. But like with a draft guy, like Lucas Ersing, we can confidently now say with Lucas Ersing, you can't say he's an absolute slam dunk guy or anything like that. This guy... You know, he was a second-round pick who hit 302, 305 last year in a league where hitting 305 does not is you know, in AI. yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, the Brewers know a lot more about Lucas Ursic now than they did when they drafted him, and everything. Right. All indications are, it's a good what they know. It's it's very <laughs> yeah, good.
2: Exactly. The more you, they know, it's you, really been very good. You take these Padres.
3: July 2 guys, the international guys they signed. They knew after instructs we've got to have two AZL teams because we've got too many guys who are ready. Again, that's a significant step. To have all these guys who you're saying, we're bringing them over to the States, they're not going to play in the DSL their first year. That's significant right there. But then to come out in spring training, they've seen that Almanzar can play at the high A level against high A guys and hasn't been overmatched at one point he was seven for 11 in a stretch playing against guys who legitimately are three years older than him most of them when they can see that Gabriel Arias is playing and holding his own very well looks very much at the level when he's playing against low A guys and when I say low A guys I'm talking about he's faced Juan Hillman and Brady Aiken right, but guys
2: the, but the tools are the tools but where you can not get carried away in my opinion do it over a hundred games. No, good. No, 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 but but we, so you're getting
3: a little carried no, no, away with but what, what I'm saying, though, is, is that
2: holding your own for a week is not the same. Oh, absolutely. As holding your own for a hundred games, the grind is the grind. Absolutely. That's what separates all these guys, and that's why it's it's exciting, but is a little you got to temper your enthusiasm a little bit. Over, let's see dudes do it for a hundred games. But, but the hard is what makes it good. Let's right, see them but, do the hard part. But
3: at the same time. And these guys aren't going to get to do that this year because none of these guys are going to low eight or anything like that. But at the same time, when you see those guys, they knew the reason they got signed was the tools. The skills are further advanced than anyone expected. Then you see a guy like Jordy Barley, another one of their July 2 guys. And when they signed him, the question was, okay, you know he can run. He's quick twitch. He's got a really good arm. He's an infielder. But now, in just the span of essentially now the seven, eight months since he signed, he's showing pop. He's showing power. He didn't there was thought that he had some of that, but again, what you are talking about that you're right. You can't go too crazy. They're
2: ninth in our top in our talent. I'm ranking. saying the same thing for Ursag though too. I've been saying like anybody having a great spring, you do know more. I'm excited to know more about all these guys. But I don't I don't I don't make the leap that you're making on we know that he's ready to go'm I mean like I I'm I am fine to be a little late on guys because I do want more information I do want more data. and I want to see a guy do it I, I
4: think for the th- full th- season. I think for me you know just keeping a track on what's happening I think some of it's a case-by-case, case, like, it is notable to me that, okay, Morahone was sitting 91-93, he's now sitting 94. Clearly there's a leap there that's been a progress that you want to see. He's further and as further
2: a, away from being abused as a 15-year-old by the Cuban <laughs> national team, which is true.
4: You know, and the other one that, that really interested me just a little bit was, you know, Gabriel Arias. So when he signed, it was, this guy's a great defender, we love the glove, we love, you know, all the actions, that's what he's best at. You know, the bat, we'll see. And then already in six months of development, you've seen the progress. And you know just watching the video of the swing, it's like, that doesn't look like the swing of a you know toolsy no-hit middle infielder. That's a, that's a real live swing. And so it's just a matter of this, this does not mean Gabriel Arias is all of a sudden a 65-grade player who's going to be a superstar. But it means, okay, there's the progress you want to see made has been made in a relatively short time, I would say it's encouraging, and it makes and my the, eyebrows and that's, go and free. That's,
3: and again, that's where I'm... Yeah, they're, they're glimpses, but it. what I would say is is the Padres' trend line of where I expect them to go, I knew they spent so much money internationally, they should be really good at the lower levels. I will say this. When you talk to scouts for other teams mm-hmm. who have seen them this spring, saw them in instructs last year and seen them again this spring, and they say... This is rare. We don't, like, these are guys who see, you know, these this level guy, and they're like, these guys are better than usually what I see these guys at this point.
2: I'll just say that the last time I remember somebody saying that was about, it was a scout that we all know who was extremely respected who said the same thing about the Phillies at Instructs and in spring training. And it was a lot of guys that didn't work out. It was Brody Colvin. It was Jawan James. It was that crew mm-hmm. of Phillies, and they're just so far away. And those guys were advanced with their tools, and some of them were advanced with their skills. So I'm encouraged by the Padres. I think that's the right word, and they, they sound like they are more robust and more skilled than even they thought, which is really awesome. But, but they're all
4: 18-year-olds going 16, to extent. 16, 17, 16, 16, 17 and some 18. So right. I don't and, even, and,
3: even and even even, even their, their carried away. and even their pitchers. Their pitchers, like you see, pitcher after pitcher. We're not, we got open day rosters issues coming out. I'm not expecting to see most of those guys. The plan for most of those pitchers is check back in May. Like, we're like, we, it's very probable that we're not going to see Mason Thompson or Cal Quantrill or Reggie Lawson.
2: Cal Quantrill, not in full season
3: ball? Well, there may, they, the, there is a very high likelihood because none of those guys are going to be able to throw 150 innings this year. They're not coming off of what they did. None of them are, and so their plan, from what my conversations and all, is more of
2: why would you handle Kyle Quantrill the same well, way you Well, what a high they what they what they did. What well, no, 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 what,
3: they're what, not they, going to set him the same level when he's done. But they're they I,
2: I didn't say that. So handle okay. him the same well, way.
4: Quantrill, so, with it, like Jacob Nick's last year, was at Fort Wayne for a full season, but he threw a hundred five. They were able to really keep it to, you know, mm-hmm. five inning stints. I think that's what we're seeing more like with Quantrill. But I agree that Thompson Lawson. More home. These yeah. guys are gonna be an extended and then, maybe short season. Maybe Oh, Fort we're Wayne. gonna see some of those in Fort Wayne, right? But, 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 but they're not gonna show up in Fort Wayne starting. tonight. They're not. St- they I, I would. I would say a lot of those guys. I don't think we're gonna see them till June or July. But there, a, a conversation with Mark Pryor,
3: their pitching coordinator, also said,
4: and I'm, this will be up
3: this week too. I got a lot of stuff I got to write. <laughs> he he said one thing that I'm that I'm very strong about is is you need to challenge guys. And it's funny, I kept hearing this from different teams, like. There was a lot of talk of, you know what, push a guy and see where he can handle level. And especially with pitchers. I, that's one of the things that's interesting to me of Cal Quantrill. Just from a standpoint of where do you send that guy? Yeah. You send Cal Quantrill to high A even. And Cal Quantrill's change-up. Unless you basically, or his change-ups, I should say.
2: Well, he did get hammered in low A. Right. Hammered. I it's know. A small, small it's a small very. Sample. It was like three starts? Something, but small. it was all like 20 Two. hits. Two. But 12 hits and four and two-thirds innings. I, right, but, think, so, but what I'm
3: saying is, is if you, if with a guy like that, his changeup should allow him to basically, it's almost going to be, de- it could be detrimental to him at the A-level, where if he's not very, if they're not, and he's not very particular about it, because what Cal Quantrill needs to do is get innings, everyone needs to prove fastball command, command, fastball yeah. command, and, but more than anything, he's got a slider and a curveball, Is either one of them going to develop into.
4: And we saw the flashes of the slider getting to above average toward the end of last year. But he's got to develop. He's right right now not consistent. The consistency is not there. And that's where. But I I think. But I'm saying, like, that's to me. He'll be in Fort Wayne. Maybe else. Someone told me that they're considering pushing him to Elsinore. I still. All my conversations during the offseason were we're going to start him in Fort Wayne. Now, if See, if, think, if he showed up Elsinore, in spring training I don't think and he Elsinore really makes cute.
2: sense from a weather standpoint more than anything. Not, and that, and, 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 and that's, not from a level, but just a, but just in the weather. If and that, you want to? And he's older, so right? I'm, and that was the
4: talk. As you know, he is Canadian, we, we're we're, is. we're planning as of the phone calls in November. Fort Wayne. If he shows up in spring training and does really well, Elsinore's is a possibility. But but. At the end of the day, I think we all agree that the Potters have a lot of really low-level talented prospects. It's cool to see them. And now it's a matter of, okay, now let's develop them. Because, you know, part of the reason we have them ninth in the org talent rankings and part of the reason, you know, hey, Michael Geddes is ranked ahead of all these guys. Because guess what? Michael Geddes, who's only a year older than some of them, you know, 19, good turn 20 yeah. last year, just raked in high A, which is a whole different ballgame than looking really good in instructs. Right. Again, a lot
3: of these guys we're talking about have yet to play... The, the, the July 2 guys, none of them have played their first official game yet. Right. And so there is something where they're all ticketed to extended. I wouldn't be shocked if you ended up seeing Almanzar play up above the AZL before the year's over because he's looked that good. But that is something where you are talking, these guys are a long ways away. That said, it was something where if you said to me, what are the conversations of scouts from other teams that they bring up with you when you're out there. One of the things that stands out is, is everyone's like in Arizona. One of the stories of Springs is wow. In the backfields, these really young, really young arms and, and, and position players, especially are standing out in a way that we didn't expect to see.
2: That's a, that, that's a good way. I mean, I don't know if we could just sum it up. I mean, we've got a lot. Uh, we've, we've been talking for 52 minutes, so we, we might want to wrap up the podcast. I did want to ask like, just, you know, you guys could probably talk Padres the whole time, but, um, I am very intrigued by just the idea of um you know the backfields and just how much fun backfields are and um you know, there's so much about the commercialism of spring training that turns me off when you go like the big league games how much they cost that kind of stuff but if you're listening to this podcast you're already interested in baseball the way we do it I wouldn't I mean if you haven't been to a spring training backfields game I mean What are you waiting for? That's the way to go see spring training for me.
3: It's so good in so many ways. Um, Really, the best ways our schedule is to go to games on days that the big league club's not there at the same time. I managed to actually work that out that somehow I never never saw a big league spring training game while I was in Arizona for eight days. And I never ended up at a ballpark that was hosting a big league game Hmm. at the time that I was doing the backfields, which worked out really well. But it's... Okay, start off, it's free. So when you talk about commercialism, there is no... Now, the Mm -hmm. only thing that pays, like, if you go to, like, Padres Mariners camp, they have concession stands. Do understand, this is a... You are going to go back to the roots of baseball. Don't expect to get your program. Don't expect to know who the players are, maybe, because... Only half the teams put names on the
4: back of their units.
2: And all the announcements are made by a man in a a hat who's got one of those uh, cheerleading (laughs) things. I do think part of of
4: the complication is, you know, those games, it's not broadcasted who's playing where, when, and what time to the general public a lot of times. It is
3: available, though, now, like, spring training schedules are, like, you can actually get them online for the minor Mm -hmm. league side like um but at you, least a lot
2: of them are on, a lot of them tweeted out not no, well, all of them but a lot of teams do tweet it follow out follow
3: brewers pd yes that's that the is best.
2: the best player development twitter
3: and it's not the gap between them and second best there's uh is an infinite gap i yeah. mean because they they tweet out here's our lineups for today here's who's pitching here's who's pitching tomorrow if you want to plan ahead all that but again the other thing about it is is usually you are seeing two to sometimes three games going on at the same time. There is no downtime. The real problem you often have is there's too much good stuff going on. There was the one that struck me when we talked about Morehouse is everyone's watching Morehouse and Mason Thompson, who's an outstanding pitching prospect, guy you want to watch is pitching on the other field and he's pitching to no scouts, you know, like he's got his fan, you know, the the, the players are there and all that have to chart and all that but all the scouts all the Padres front office side is overwatching. you know more a home pitch Mason Thompson's pitch is like any other situation everyone would be here for Morahone, home or like another day you're sitting there it's like okay this is Walker Buehler versus Luis Castillo I'm going to see 99 pretty regularly hmm. and then over here hmm. on another field you're having other guys who are worth watching there's the thing on the backfields is, is there's more going on than you can watch which is a pretty fun experience to have. A little overwhelming sometimes. Oh, <laughs> it's it, it addles my brain at times because it's like I always feel like if there's four games going on, which does happen at times, I know I'm missing something. Right. And it's like, well, you got to focus on what you're seeing, not what am missing. But I focus on what I'm missing. It's like uh, I'm, I'm having... It's like you're... Yeah, I'll give an old air fit reference. It was like basically you've ordered your meal and you always have the, you know, the, oh, I should have ordered yeah, that.
2: Buyer's remorse. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. You do have that a lot in spring training on the backfields. Oh, uh, yeah. Even choosing
3: where you're going to go that yeah, yeah. day. And it's like, like the last day. And I, that was the one day where I was completely free. Like, it was like, my writing is done. It's just, let me pick a good matchup to go to. And I'm talking with Bill Mitchell, our photographer, who is the Dean of Arizona, who knows everyone. You know, it basically, so where are you going, Bill? And he was going to Dodgers-Reds because he wanted to see Vladimir Gutierrez, and there was a couple of Dodgers, but I think uh, Jordan Sheffield was pitching that day too. Pretty good matchup.
2: Yeah.
3: And I'm like, I'm going to Dodgers-Reds, but I'm going to go see Walker Bueller versus Luis Castillo. And I'm going, you know, so he was going to Camelback, and I was going to Goodyear. And even just then, of which Dodgers-Reds game do you want to go to was a really, but I got to see Senzel also and all that, so it worked out well for me.
2: So, if you have a prospect handbook, if you ever have ordered a prospect handbook, what you need to do is go to the backfields. Uh, That's where it's at. And then the next uh, stop for all of us uh, NHSI high school tournament this week, but then opening days. And for the minor leagues is what?
4: April 6th. Major leagues is April 7th. A week and a half. Yeah. Next Thursday for minor leagues and Sunday for major leagues.
2: That's pretty cute. So we'll have some games here in the uh, rainy uh, but warm North Cack-a-like, uh that you can follow us all about, and we'll be writing all about it and talking all about it and probably podcasting about it. So the World Baseball Classic almost got us through to the start of the real season, and uh, we're very excited close about enough. that. So close enough. It really enough is. Right. So I feel
3: like it's just on the you know the edge now. So It's, it's
2: just over the horizon. So uh, for Kyle and JJ, I'm John. We want to thank you for tuning into the Baseball America podcast. Our podcasts and Facebook Lives are sponsored by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off the field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women and kids. If you are a baseball fan, you need to check out baseballism.com or visit the retail locations in Cooperstown, New York and Scottsdale, Arizona. Visit baseballism.com and enter the code BA2017 to save 20% off. For those guys, I'm this guy. We'll see you on the next Baseball America podcast. So long everybody.
1: This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage.